myself again. But it's the only... Good evening and welcome to NUFC Matters. Tuesday night is always uh, Liam Kennedy's night. Good evening, mate. You all right? How's things? Yeah. Okay, mate. Not bad. Uh, good to see you. And uh, as always, plenty to talk about uh, with regards to, to Newcastle United. And I'm sure we'll get plenty of questions coming in about incoming transfers. People hopeful that there's uh, players coming in, Liam. But let's start with the uh, the bad news coming out of St. James's Park today. And that's uh, Matt Ritchie's shoulder blow. Um, you know, it's been confirmed that he's going to have to have surgery on the shoulder that he damaged in Sunday's 1-1 draw at Tottenham. Uh, the injury, I think, is is similar to the one that was uh, suffered by Fabian Shaw um, when yeah. we played Spurs back in uh, July at Gallagher. And, um, yeah, he had to go under the knife as well. So it's bad news for Matt Ritchie, mate. It is. Uh, it's interesting. There's been some confusing messages with regards injuries come out of Newcastle. Uh, recently, and th this is one of those that we're told it's not a dislocation of the shoulder, but for around two months now, we've been told that Fabian Shaw was a dislocation of the shoulder. So I'm not quite sure exactly what it is. Mixed messages coming from um, Steve Bruce there, but it is a blow because a character like Matt Ritchie going to a ground like Rodney Parade in Newport tomorrow is exactly the type of player you want on the pitch. Um, he's somebody who gives 100% no matter what he does. He's a nuisance to the opposition. Yes, he hasn't got that yard of pace to play further forward. And yes, he was actually at fault for the goal against Tottenham. But I still think he's a really valuable player in terms of a voice. Um, he's got a cracking left foot and he can still do a really good job um, in the Premier League. So it is a big blow. Um, but there are a few. There's a few injuries there. I mean, Kieran Clark, are we going to see Paul Dummett at any point? He's never kicked the ball since January. Um, and, and to be honest, this team really needs somebody like that. Kieran Clark would normally come in tomorrow. And I think for me, I've said it on here before, he's a really good natural defender, ideal for games like tomorrow. And, and to be honest, I probably would have been close to starting him on Sunday, uh, just gone as well if he'd been fit. Um, Matty Longstaff, Matty Longstaff, when are we going to see Matty Longstaff? I mean, it's been, it's just, it's one of these um, muscle injuries that they're really struggling to get a, get a grips with. And after all the, the talk, all the furore over the, the summer about actually getting his contract signed, um, I think we're all looking forward to this season being one where Matty really pushes for a place in that centre of midfield, which I think has been highlighted in the first few games of the season that isn't quite good enough. It's not up to the job. It hasn't it hasn't really provided Newcastle United with a solid base. It hasn't provided them with any creativity. It hasn't provided them with much at all, um, apart from a couple of flashes from Isaac Hayden. Absolutely nothing from John Joe Shelby for large, large parts, but there's nothing really new there. Um, and I think Jeff Hendrick had had his um had his trial on Sunday. I've been calling for him to get that chance in the middle. It was a poor team performance, but he was very poor, uh, I thought, in that uh, central position. When you really want somebody to go and take the game by the scruff of the neck, I don't think he did at all. Um so I think that's that's an area where you, you really hope and someone like Matty Longstaff would be knocking on the door now. Um, of Steve Bruce to say, right, I need to play, but it's it's been really unfortunate. He, he can't he can't get in the side. Fingers crossed that isn't too long. But yeah, there's there's knocks and injuries elsewhere in the side that that are a little bit of a concern. Um, mm. so early in the season, um, we, we suffered badly with injuries last season. Is it going to be another one of those? We sincerely hope not. Um, but the early signs aren't great on the injury front. But there's enough players there. It's thinking about the game tomorrow and the game on um on the weekend you play a league two side and you play Burnley one of the, the struggling sides in the Premier League along with someone like Newcastle this season probably one of the poorer sides in terms yeah. of a watch anyway um, so you think this could be a really a really big week for Newcastle United and they've got um, players in the forward areas for the first time who, who seem to be coming into a little bit of form I thought Miguel Almiron was poor on Sunday but um, take that out of the equation he's allowed a poor game it was a poor team performance but Joe Linton for me Joe Linton, I would say, reflecting back on that Sunday performance, we're not his biggest fans. We've been proven over time and time again. We've talked about that. Um, very few redeeming features in his performances of the first season. Um, I thought he was great. I thought he was the best outfield player in a black and white. Uh, sorry, I was going to say black and white. It was a purple in the purple <laughs> shirt. <laughs> he was. He was. He was. Um, he, he, he seemed to thrive in that wide role, which he hadn't done when he played uh, previously, but he was willing to take the ball. He showed a little bit of confidence. And, and I think it's amazing to think what a 
a little bit of um, a little bit of goal here or there and a bit of confidence can do for a player because I thought he was genuinely a, a player transformed. And that's the positives we're getting from this League Cup run is that we've seen Jacob Murphy take his opportunity. He didn't when he came on on Sunday. I thought he looked poor and gave the ball away. Um, but you've seen someone like Joe Linton um, with the pressure off his shoulders, you know, really come to the fore. He's poor against Blackburn, but really good against uh, Morecambe and hopefully more of the same tomorrow um, against the lower league side who provide... A tougher challenge, but but I would imagine a similar team from last week will go in there and, and, and hopefully go and score a few more goals and just take that into the weekend. Somebody commented last night, uh, you can tell how bad it is at Newcastle when Joe Linton's getting a, uh, you know, a vote of confidence from Newcastle fans and getting called outfield player of the match. There's no doubt the man of the match, though, was uh, was Darlow. Yeah, it's another player that uh, we've questioned, um, fans have questioned, because... I've always said it, Carl Darlow's a fantastic shot stopper. He really is. He's a really good shot stopper. And he showed that again. Um, but what he's got in him, he's got the odd rick. He's got the odd mistake here and there. He'll just drop a clanger. Um, he did that in the championship season and he's he's likely to do it again, potentially, if he ends up having to play 10, 15 games. But Martin Dubravka is just around the corner. So there'll be no concerns there. But yeah, I think I think um, the, the one of the big positives of the early part of the season as well has been the performances of the two goalkeepers. Um, and it, it's no surprise that there were question marks about who would go into the season as, as the number two behind Dubravka. And I think both have really put their hands up and, and there's a bit of a battle on there. Um, Mark Gillespie hasn't conceded a goal in these two games and looked very confident, fantastic distribution, uh, really confident from crosses, uh, vocal. Um, and Carl Dolo's really, um, really sort of looks up for the challenge and has put in some fantastic performances in the Premier League. And you can't really fault either of them. Um, and it'll be di a difficult decision to bring Martin Dubravka back, really, if you're looking at it. But we know how good Martin Dubravka is, and I think <laughs> I think Steve Bruce does too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's the biggest compliment you can pay him. I think somebody said last night again on the show on Ladies' Night that um, you know they hadn't, you know, they'd almost forgotten that uh, you know Dubravka was injured. So yeah, well done, Dolo. He's he certainly uh, certainly you know grasped the opportunity and um, you know hopefully given Steve Bruce something to think about. Joe Linton, look. Uh, it's the minimum he should be given his effort, and that's what he's put in. Um, as I say, we're you know we're, you know edging up towards the ten games that I gave him, and uh, there's a little bit more there than there has been in in past you know in the past. So let's see what happens. Let's see how it goes. Um, always plenty of questions. Want to try and get through as many as we can tonight. So please send your your questions in for Liam. And, um, he'll do his best to answer them. Craig Southgate. Any news on Ashley's court case against the Premier League, and any news of um, more incomings, Liam? So yeah, things are things are ticking over on uh, the takeover sense. I say ticking over in the loosest sense because things are still going on. It's all very secretive. It's all staying very much behind closed doors. But the legal case, um, there's some suggestions. It, it it it's not stopped, but it's not necessarily ridiculously active at the moment. But things are happening um, with regards uh, the consortium and obviously with Ashley with incomings. I'll stick to the, the message that's really been put to me is that um, it's it's going to be it's going to have to be an active uh, final few days of the transfer window if Newcastle United and Steve Bruce want to get the players in that uh, they want to. Um, Steve Bruce said to me last week, he said, "I can't keep collecting players," and I get what he means. They can't just keep bringing players in and in and be stuck in positions where they're paying wages of players who aren't playing for anybody, um, which is what they've had in previous seasons. I think the idea was to get rid of Yedlin. The idea was to get rid of Atsu. Um, and those deals could well still happen. I've seen reports from America suggesting that Yedlin's yet to stay. For Steve Bruce, that could potentially be a disaster um, in terms of uh, having to keep a third right back at the club. That wasn't part of the plans. He was going to trim him. Um, one problem they've got is this left-back role. It might be the case that Yedlin's asked to perform that role, um, or Mankio even. Um, it might might well be the, the, the position he castle find themselves in and he's kept on. Atsu's definitely a player that isn't part of the plans. Um, I've said all along he has Celtic are interested, but it's wages. Wages are a big issue. He's in the final year of his contract um, and he's on decent wage, um, decent wage for Scottish premier, Premiership standards. Um, so it'd be really difficult to get them out the door. Henri Saive is another. Uh, Ashraf Lazar, Rolando Ahrens. We're talking about players that, that Newcastle United are desperate to get rid of. But they can't find takers. 
it's really difficult to find takers or players that nobody really wants. Uh, yeah. And the, these players have floated around this football club not playing games for years now and they're genuinely damaged goods. There's plenty of other players out there that people, even desperate clubs, would pick up um, cheaper than what we're, we're offering these players out. And that's not the club's fault. That's just what it is. Ultimately, they're giving these contracts, but Newcastle just can't shift these players. And I think yeah. I think um, the, first, the struggles in the first few weeks of the season have genuinely had a, um, an impact on transfer business. I think there's been a little bit of a rethink. I, I do think um, there has been some midfield um, interest. Um, can't give any names, but there has been some uh, feelers put out there in terms of getting a midfielder in. Um, but also um, central defender is one that, that's uh, desperately needed. We've seen a couple of injuries here and there and all of a sudden we're casting it down to bare bones. Um, but ultimately the one we really wanted is a striker. Um, and, and at the moment, given the, the need for strengthening other positions, I think that, if anything, could be the one that, that falls by the wayside. But there's a lot of time. I know it's only six, what, what five, six days left of this window. A lot happens. We all know that a lot happens in those days. So I could easily see Christian Atsu going out on loan. I could easily see a player coming in in his place. Um, Jacob Murphy's still going to be an interesting one, despite Steve Bruce's comments last week. Um, for me, um, I, I would like to see him given an opportunity. I don't think he took his opportunity very well at Spurs, um, but it's hard to judge him on that. It's equally hard to judge him on that fantastic performance last week. Um, but the thing about the difference between Atsu and Murphy is that with Murphy... There are a lot of takers. There are takers north of the border. There are takers in the championship. So he would be a player you could trim from the 25-man uh, squad list, which is now sitting at 28, 29 players. He's one you could trim quite easily because there are people who want him. Someone like an Henri Saive is one that you'd find very difficult to get rid of because nobody genuinely wants him. So it's going to be an interesting few days. Um, I do think Newcastle United will be active. They'll at least be trying the art. I've seen somebody ask me a question um, on Twitter just before we came on air, saying, oh, Newcastle even bothering in the last few days. Yes, they are. Um, but like I said, it's it's it, the approach is out before in. Um, and I think that's where we still stand. Okay. Um, evening, fellas. Should we go for Loftus-Cheek? Uh, Chelsea available on loan. He's an athlete compared to Shelby and Hayden. A lot of talk last night again on Ladies' Night about the uh, about the midfield issue. And that's, you know, Shelby, Hayden, Hendrick, um, you know, ASM, of course, was unavailable at the weekend, but, you know, trying to find the right combination, uh, it seems to be an issue at the moment. And, you know, finding the right formation for the team really seems to be, you know, a bit of a problem for Steve Bruce. But, you know, the, the midfield's a concern because, you know, with the exception of Shelby, and you've already said, you've already said at the start of the programme there that, you know, he is a bit of an enigma, isn't he? he? He doesn't, you know, it's no surprise that there's not a great deal of effort from him. It's it's, it's an issue he's had all the way through his career. Um, but do we need that bit of creativity, you know, coming in? And would, would Loftus-Cheek be, be the kind of player you'd like to see? Uh, Loftus-Cheek would be a fantastic signing. Um, and he'll not... There's plenty of clubs interested in players like uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek. If he can stay fit, he's a fantastic footballer. He's a footballer who can make an impact on the international level, never mind the Premier League. I really rate Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Um, he's also a player that, that um, well, former manager Rafa Benitez was absolutely desperate in the January window when Newcastle United got promoted to, to bring to the football club. He was a Premier League-ready player. Uh, would have had him on loan. Um, he's a player that the scouts are very aware of. Is he a player that I see coming to Newcastle United? I certainly hope so. Um, but I think, like I say, I think it would take some considerable movement out of the squad um, before we see any kind of considerable movement in. Um, and I think that's a problem. You touch on the midfield. I've been saying it on here since the start of the summer, since we started all this out. I'm not happy with the central midfield. I believe Shelby and Hayden was pretty much trade the army in and out. Um, was pretty much the, the midfield that got Newcastle United promoted in 2016-17. And they've been trying to better it ever since. It's not good enough to play week in, week out in the Premier League and produce results. It just isn't. Um, they need better players in that position. That's I, I don't mind John Joe Shelby sometimes, but he's a passenger a lot of the time. Um, and, he, and, and I can see why forward players like him, because he's creative, can be creative. But the way Newcastle are playing at the moment, they need grafters. They can't afford to be carrying footballers through games. And that's where Isaac Hayden stands head and shoulders above John Joe Shelby for me. And I've said on, yeah. on here before, I think I think Isaac Hayden, um, because of the level Newcastle are at at the moment, I think Isaac Hayden gets held up on a pedestal. 
I genuinely don't person personal opinion. I think he's a good player, but he's no better than what we are. He, he's a he's an average mid Premier League midfielder. But what he does that Shelby doesn't is he grafts, he'll tackle, he'll run all day, and that's like people say that's a bare minimum you expect, as you said of Joe Linton. But we don't yeah. always get that from Shelby. Um, and I, I genuinely think somebody with Hayden, is it Hendrick? I don't think he did himself any favours on Sunday, but let's not judge him too quick. Could it be him, potentially? I certainly wouldn't be playing John Joe Shelby on uh, on Saturday. No, me neither, mate. Uh, Colin Wilson's asking if there's any news on Nasser al Khalafi's court case. Of course, we'll never hear anything about this on the, uh, on the media. So, have you any news on it? No, I, 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 it's not something um, that, that's been widely reported. It has been reported in some places, um, but it just sounds like um, it sounds like it's going to take over for the next few weeks. That one, and then we'll probably find out some kind of result. Okay, Joe McClellan's asking: Is Liam sitting in front of a three-bar fire? You're, you're quite illuminated tonight. Oh, you know what it is, yeah. right? Am I? No, right. So last week when I was covering for you, Steve, it got really dark. <laughs> Badly as some people badly as some people said last night. <laughs> it got it got really dark. It's getting it's getting dark now, and, and the lighting in this bedroom up on the top floor is rubbish. So I've kind of got this like dressing table light behind here. That's what this this sort of gleam. Ah, right, here. okay. So, I've yeah. got you. It's good. It's like, it looks just looks just looks like you've had some ready break, mate. Do you remember that advert where you used to get the ready break glue? Like, but at least we can see you, mate. Yeah, last night I went off for about two seconds. Apparently, I didn't realise, and um, the girls just continued talking. And of course, uh, there was loads of comments coming in saying, "Yeah, not like Liam, who was uh, who was like a rabbit in the headlights." Now, last week they were all saying that you did really well, but obviously because you weren't there last night, they had a pop at you. See, so uh, no, you did well last week mate well done uh, virgin so far so good over the last couple of weeks but it was a, again the next night it, it went down luckily i wasn't doing the show then but yeah what a nightmare james Amazing. says uh so we send out lejeune on loan because we've got a replacement and holding all but ready that deal then falls through and we just act like we don't need another center back are we getting a center back says james uh, it's certainly one that they've been looking at. Um, but yeah, well, it does seem a little bit of a, a strange decision to get uh, left Florian Lejeune go. But I would say I've never got the sense. I remember speaking to Steve Bruce at the very start of his reign and, and he kept saying, oh, everyone keeps telling me Florian Lejeune's the best of the lot. He was still coming back from injury back then. Yeah. But um, I don't think he's ever been convinced. Since he's seen him, I don't think he's ever been convinced. He was a centre-half himself. I just don't think he thinks uh, Lejeune does the fundamentals right. Um, I think Lejeune's... Um, I've said it on here before. I think without injury, fully fit, Lejeune's got the ability when he plays with somebody uh, big and strong. He's, he's, he could be like a Rolls-Royce defender. He's, he's, a, he's a lovely, lovely player to watch. Um I just think injuries have really taken a toll and, and I can see why, personally, I can see why Steve Bruce has come to the uh, evaluation that he has. He sees him all the time and, and I think it takes him a long time to get up to speed um, and the injuries really haven't done him any favours at Newcastle. So um, I don't actually disagree with allowing someone like Florian Lejeune go. I don't actually disagree with letting Fabian Shaw go either, um, if that was down to me. And I think that could have happened had he not had this injury throughout, um, throughout the window. Um, because I just... They're not that I don't rate them as footballers. I do. Um, I just think in this four at the back, which he's determined to play, I just don't think they fit. I don't think they fit in that side. Um, and I think I would rather bring somebody in who does um, than have players who are genuinely just going to always be sort of on the bench and fans will be calling for them to come in. And then when they do come in, they don't quite fit. And, and I think, um, yeah, I think, I think, um, I think it is, it, it was poorly planned, but. They can't have imagined Kieran Clark would be picking up injuries left, right, and centre. They can't have imagined Paul Dummett would be so far off as he is. Um, and I think I think they could have done with somebody like that. If they had at least one of those back, then you wouldn't really be worrying about centre half too much. But the situation is is at the moment. They desperately need one. But like I said, they need one of those. They need left back cover. I've said it all summer. They ideally need a better right back. Although Mankiw has been actually excellent at the start of the season. Um, yeah. They need a mid. They need a midfielder and they need another striker. They definitely need another striker. Even if that's not to play with Callum Wilson, if that's to make sure it keeps Callum Wilson honest um, and gives pressures him and he can take him in and out, bring somebody else on, change the tack. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I think they need, they desperately need still four or five players, but will not be the only club saying this. 
There is clubs all over the country saying exactly the same kind of things as what as what we are. God, when you yeah. And I think I think it's easy to criticise um, coming in these final days of the window. If Newcastle do nothing now, it's easy to criticise. But I do think they've done good business. They, they've went out and got players that they desperately needed. They needed one centre forward at least. And you left back at least, and they went and got two of those and spent money, decent money on them. Um, and I still think players like Ryan Fraser are going to have a big impact um, on that team when fully fit and fully flying. So I think Newcastle have, have, have recruited well, but obviously they could have done more, and hopefully they will. Just need somebody to be able to coach them now. That would be handy. Uh, Nathan Thomas says, uh, Money Mike Ashley says, things are progressing nicely. Discuss. In all seriousness, any whispers? Said it. I've already said it tonight. Yeah, things do seem to be ticking along. Um, let's just—I'll—I'll I'll say one thing. If it were dead, we would have heard by now. So just take like fans out there who are constantly on. I get the questions all the time. Um, if it was dead, um, we would know about it by now. And it isn't dead. Things are still going on. So take some comfort and confidence from that. Okay, Darren's asking if there's any new information about the two coaching staff that left last week. It wasn't coaching yeah. staff, it was medical staff, wasn't it? Yeah, it was It was a physio um, and somebody else in the medical team. And, and yeah, I, I don't know anything about that. I'm sure I'm sure that'll be um, that'll be something dealt with internally, um, potentially if there's been any kind of wrongdoing or, or hasn't, or or if uh, anybody's been wronged in this process, there'll be internal investigations and, and probably outward investigations. So uh, I don't know what the situation is on that. We'll just have to wait and see if that one plays out. Realistically, is it significant? Um, no, I, I don't think if it, if it was any, if it was significant, it wouldn't be there. These people wouldn't be letting go. Yeah. Barry Hogan says, Bruce has supposedly approached Smalling, doesn't want to come, and Phil Jones, too expensive. Why is he going for these? Uh, Chris Smalling, I think, he'd just been desperate to see that permanent move to, to Roma, um, and who wouldn't? So I, I don't actually blame him um, for wanting to try. He's looking in Italy for another couple of years. Um, Phil Jones, I'm, I'm glad Newcastle are well clear of that. I'm really pleased that they're, they're not going near that because I think he's a disaster. I really do. I, I've, I've thought that ever since ever since he signed for Man United. Um, he's not known whether he's a midfielder or a defender since he was a kid, and I think he's neither. Okay, Christopher says, I wish viewers would stop asking about the court case and the takeover. If there was something to discuss, it would come out, not holding back for shows. Uh, Chris, look, people are interested, mate. It's, um, it's one of them things. It's human nature. And um, when Liam comes on, uh, I think out of all the guests that we we'll have on, and that's no offence to you, uh, but, you know, Liam does have good contacts in the UK and in Saudi. So, you know, it's probably the, the one show I expect people to ask uh, one of the guests if they knew anything. So, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's you know, it's no no problem for me anyway. Uh, Fungo Freddy watched the Yami show this morning. Well done on squeezing out of him. Um, what Atwood didn't great interview, mate. Thanks very much for that, mate. Yeah, I mean, obviously, as people know, watching the channel, I do get other guests on uh, who aren't football related. And um, we've got Yami B on. Um, uh, interesting story. Hell of a story, really. Uh, 40 years in prison. Um, that doesn't tell you the half of it. Uh, you want to give that a watch. It's only an hour long. But um, very, very interesting interview with uh, Yami B. So uh, give give that a watch. Um, Stu, good evening, mate. He says, seriously, how do we pick up so many injuries when we play as badly as we do? It's not like John Joe was busting a gut. Um, yeah, the injuries thing. I mean, I've just seen uh, Tom as well uh, going on about that as well. Just saying, you know, under Rafa, we didn't have as many injuries, but we seem to be getting injuries galore under Bruce. I mean, it's, you know, it was the, the soft tissue injuries, wasn't it, that we were suffering last season does seem to come with, with Steve Bruce when he when he coaches or managers, doesn't it, for some reason. It's happened to too many other clubs. Yeah, it's something that other, other journalists have documented, that these these kind of things are quite regular occurrence under Steve Bruce. It's not something I'm partic I have a particular knowledge of, um, having only really come across them in this job. Um, but I think the stories have come out from the likes of Hull, they've come out from Aston Villa, they've come out from Sunderland, going back even 10 years. Is it something wrong with Steve Bruce's coaching technique? I don't know. We've seen last season he took a lot of risks on players when he probably shouldn't have. We've seen Alan St. Maximin at the start of the season, probably took a risk on him at Tottenham, got injured, was out a while, never really recovered until after lockdown. We've seen other players have been thrown in and, and struggled um, and stayed out injured. I think um, I think we're, we're sort of seeing this season a little bit more of a cautious Steve Bruce, particularly with the approach of, towards Ryan Fraser and others. He just doesn't seem to want to throw them in. Um, which, which can be a good thing, and but a frustrating thing, uh, equally the same, but I think it's better to be cautious 
Um, Benitez, I can talk in depth about Benitez because Benitez, um, his his um, approach to to injury management was um, like no other manager I've, I've ever seen before. Um, he had particular people uh, monitoring the performance of players daily. Um, he could see when levels were dropping. He had people analysing these levels, and he could see when when players were more likely um, they were running running on empty or whatever, and they're more likely to pick up injuries. Um, and I've, I've said this, I think, on here before that Benitez never um, he, he wasn't the type of manager who would just say, "Oh, oh he had a good twenty minutes on Saturday. Do you know what? I'm going to throw him in next week." That wasn't how uh, he planned things. He was very much, very meticulous in the way that he picked, uh, selected his teams. And a lot of it was to do with performances in terms of uh, fitness, uh, strength, the, the levels that were shown. They may well have peaked on a Tuesday and he could see a steady decline on a Wednesday, Thursday. By the Friday, he knew that player, even if he was a key player, um, was in more of a chance of getting an injury and putting himself out for a month rather than a game. That he would just take that player out, replace him, give him 20 minutes instead. It was very meticulous and, and it was something I don't really see much from managers before, ones I've dealt with and was very impressed by it. Whether Steve Bruce has that same kind of meticulous approach, um, I can't, uh, he's never gone into depth with regards to that, but I would say using his um, his last, last season's uh, want to risk players and throw them in even though they weren't fit, I would be very surprised if he was as meticulous uh, with regards to injuries. So, yeah, I think I think he does have to be culpable in a sense. But I have seen a little change in him this season. And again, I'll think about Ryan Fraser. Um, he knows he's a player that hasn't really played uh, a lot of football this calendar yeah. year. And I think he's reluctant to really watch the main. I would have probably went with it on Sunday. Um, but I'm not a football manager and I'm not paid anywhere near their way just to make these kind of decisions. Um, neither are most of us out there. Um, so it was actually quite positive in a way. It's still um, maybe changed tack from what he was showing last season. I mean, just before I come to Mag, Mag Mark's uh, question, Josh Blakey put something out on Twitter tonight. It was 29 games since Boxing Day, nine wins, yeah. four against lower league opposition, and five wins in the Premier League, two of those against 10 men. It's quite damning statistics, that by Steve Bruce. Yeah, it's horrific, but it's, we've lived it. We know it. It's been, it, not, not only has it been. Um, poor in terms of results, it's been absolutely horrific in terms of performances as well. Um, I think I think you can probably only think, you can count on one hand, um, Steve Bruce has probably had 41, 42 games in the Premier League, 10 in the Cup on top of that as well, with the run they had last year and this year. Um, mm. I could probably only think, I'm saying one hand, I could probably count on two or three fingers, the amount of um, performances you'd look at and say, you know, that was done well today. Um, a lot of those games were pick up points and results. Have been turgid performances. I think back to like January and um, drawing draw drawing at home with Oxford in the cup, beating Chelsea in the last minute. Yes, that was actually one of the magical moments of the season. That that outpouring of, of uh, frustration and, and joy with that Isaac Hayden goal, but it was shocking. It was absolute rubbish. Um, we've had some hammerings. We've been hammered off Leicester a couple of times. Hammered off probably three or four other sides. Um, it's been rubbish. It has been genuinely rubbish. And I think anybody who's standing by Steve Bruce um, in terms of, not Steve Bruce the man, I'm going to be very particular what I say because I do have to deal with the man myself. But yeah. if anybody's going to stand by the performance that his team have put in um, yeah. during his time here, um, they're, they're, not, they're not watching what we're watching. They're just purely looking um, at the stats, which... Um, and not the stats like what have been picked out by by that person on Twitter. They're looking at the stats whereby the inexplicable ones, when Newcastle United have had three games in the Premier League, they've barely kicked a ball in two of those. And they're sitting with four points in ten. How do you explain that to anybody? Most people from the outside looking in will say, well, he's doing all right, isn't he? They're doing all right. They're in the, could be the quarterfinal of the Cup by the end of the week and they might have seven points. And it's been rubbish. Like you've got Unless you're watching Newcastle, I don't think you understand. And I think a lot of people are, are quite um, baffled by Newcastle United uh, fans' anger outside of our bubble because they look at it and say, well, you finished 13th last season. You were never in relegation trouble. I thought it was shocking. It was absolute rubbish. And this season, already three, five games in in all competitions is looking very, very similar. We've had good yep. luck with the cup draws. It's going on that narrative again. Um 
we're getting results where we shouldn't, we don't deserve to get results, um, and we're doing all right and we're in the middle of the table. What we're complaining about, that's what people outside of our bubble are asking, and, and they're obviously just not seeing Newcastle United because this is, it, it has been terrible. I mean, there are very few performances, very few teams in the Premier League this season will put in two performances like um, the Brighton game and then Tottenham and not get relegated out of the Premier League this season. Um, and I yeah. don't think Newcastle United will get relegated this season. I think they've got enough quality in certain positions um, and there are enough teams out there. Not every team you come across is going to be as tactically astute as a Brighton. Brighton's tactical now, so their manager far exceeds some someone in the top six, even someone like a Solskjaer at Manchester United or, or somebody like that. You know what I mean? It, you're not always going to come across those games. Um, and I think Newcastle will pick up enough points from having a quality goal scorer and Alan St. Maximin and Miguel Almiron. Um, even a John Joe Shelby might win you the odd game. They'll have enough um, in these games um, to just pick up enough points and be safe. And probably people at the end of the season, if Steve Bruce is still here and we're still in the Premier League, will be asking the same questions. They'll all be going, well, what are you complaining about? You finished 13th again or 14th or whatever. What you Whenever in relegation trouble. But yeah, you've never seen what we've seen. You're not living it. It, it It's dreadful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's right, and uh, you know, fans aren't blind; they can see it, and 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 that's the problem. Mad Mag Mark uh, says, "Do you think Newcastle will be interested in bringing Victor Moses on loan from Chelsea as a right wing back, right winger option, since he's not part of Frank Lampard's setup?" Um, I would say going in these final days is is a right wing back probably at, at the top of the list of players that you want to sign. I would argue not, um, because. Um, it's a position that Ryan Fraser has played, to be honest. Would you really bring somebody else in that role if you really wanted to play a right wing back? Javier Manquillo has proven he's decent in that role as well. Um, ideally, in an ideal world, as I've said, you'd want to bring a right back in if you had unlimited funds and unlimited amount of spaces. But um, they haven't and they need a defender, they need a midfielder, and yeah. they need a striker and they probably need a left back. So I would say in the list of positions that you want to sign players, a right back, although Victor Moses is a good player, um, and I would have him at Newcastle United, of course. But would I be prioritising that? I think he'd probably be fifth on the list in terms of positions that need strengthening. OK, Al Matthew says, Evening, lads. Liam, what's the latest on this Peru lad? I tweeted something out today. It seems like it's a deal that's um, going to get done. Reports in Peru suggest, and um, it could even be tomorrow, that, that the player begins his uh, transition over to the UK. Um, obviously, coming out from outside the UK, we'll have to uh, quarantine for a little while. But that'll be a deal that's done um, before uh, the end of the window. Um, and who knows? He's an unknown. We've done this before. Um, the last high-profile unknown type player that we signed in that sense was an Iose Perez, and we've seen how well he performed. But there are plenty others in and around the fringes who don't do anywhere near as well. So um, fingers crossed the lad. Um, sort of listening to people who know his game over there and his brother's been talking, president of the club that Bynum from has been talking. Um, and, and he doesn't sound as though he's a player that's Premier League ready. doesn't sound like he's a player that's English football ready, to be honest. Um, yeah. But it could be one of those that they've looked at, they're going to take a risk on. And I think um, I think it sounds like they're probably going to take him in, um, play him with the 23s um, until January, and then probably look to send him out on loan to the continent. Um, probably somewhere like uh, Belgium, Holland potentially even in Germany, somewhere like that, lower down. And just get the lad ready uh, for for uh, European football, at least, because I'm led to believe he's quite a slight playmaker. Um, can play wide, but also mainly a number 10, links the yeah. play and likes to beat the man. Um, and, and we've seen he might just need a little bit of toughening up. I think plenty of people out there will probably have seen the YouTube videos I have as well. And he does look a very slight uh, lad, I think I think they want to beef him up a little bit before throw him in, throwing him in with the Premier League Wolves. Yeah, OK. Uh, just a big thank you again to Darren Baldwin Funerals, local independent family business, 24-hour service uh, for all your funeral needs. And a uh, big shout-out to Qtech as well, .co.uk, who do pool tables and snooker tables, both uh, sponsoring us this month. Big thanks to you, lads. And uh, just to let you know some emails i've received today about uh the nufc matters christmas night out 
uh, Friday the 4th of December, 7 o'clock at the Tyneside Irish Centre in aid of Newcastle Food Bank. I will be hosting it. Uh, we'll have a live Q&A with uh, um, one of our regular uh, people on the show, Lee Clark. Uh, Liam is going to be there along with uh, a lot of the other presenters that you uh, see on the show, a lot of the other supporters. Um, we're going to have a raffle auction and uh, basically just try and raise a few quid for the food bank. Obviously, this is COVID dependent, of course, but tickets are £12. If you want to buy some tickets for that, uh, get yourself onto www.newcastlelegends.com and uh, 80 tickets. That's what we're doing. We've still got to go with the COVID numbers. There'll only be 80 tickets available. So the couple already, they only went online at six o'clock. Uh, as I say, proceeds going to Newcastle Food Bank and uh, be nice to have a bit of a get together. So if you lived in, if you're living in Newcastle um, or the surrounding areas and you want to come along and meet everybody who gets involved with these shows and who's brought you a bit of entertainment over the uh over the over the COVID era, then uh, please come along. It'll be nice to to meet up with you and see you. Loads of questions coming in tonight. Uh, we might go into a little bit of extra time if Liam's got the the time. I know uh, he was busy before we came on, but um, James is again asking, we're we going to get a centre back on loan, and since the holding deal fell through, I mean. It is something that they're still looking for. They are still looking for a centre-back. Liam did mention that earlier. Um, whether they get one is a different matter. I know Adam Beckett, um, who's running for the Supporters Trust, was asking, uh, you know, are, are loans still an option? Is that something that we're, you know, still looking at? You know, maybe, you know, going for a couple of loan players. And, you know, do you think it's more likely they're going to be loans rather than permanent buys? Yeah, look, in the final few days of this window, if Steve Bruce has uh, an ideal world, what he would like to do is he'd like to sign a striker and he'd also like to sign a defender in an ideal world. That was where we stood around a week ago, I know for a fact. Like I said, I think things may have changed. There have been feelers put out for midfielders, but I think in an ideal world, another striker and a defender would be where Steve Bruce want, what he wants to bring in. Um, the budget, as we know, has pretty much been spent um, on the two major buys that we've brought in this summer. Um, and I think the loan market is primarily where Newcastle United are, are looking. The loan market is primarily where most clubs in the Premier League are now looking. Um, I think it's been an interesting window in that sense that a lot more, a lot more clubs are looking for players um, on loan with options to buy, on loan with um, obligatory uh, purchase options. Um, they're also looking for. Um, Free transfers. I think there has been like a there has been a change. Um, payment instalments seems to be something that seems to be on the increase as well. Um, where teams sort of pay a small amount in front. I think even the top sides are doing that. You look at someone like uh, Thiago um, at Liverpool. Bayern Munich took a small down payment for that footballer, one of the best footballers, one of the best midfielders in his position on the planet. A club like Bayern Munich took a small small down payment, and I think that's that's reflective of the market. That's reflective of of the kind of money that's floating around. I don't envisage any uh, cash buys and I'd be surprised if there's any major cash buys in the Premier League unless we see some teams panicking or we could have seen some maybe have kept the powder dry um, knowing that fees have remained relatively high um, throughout this window despite the financial uh, implications of COVID uh, running around in the background. So as to go back to that question, in an ideal world, Steve Bruce would probably bring two players in on loan but much of that is dependent on getting rid of a, a DeAndre Yedlin. Again, that's a difficult situation with the left-back problem they've got. Um, and also um, getting rid of a Christian Atsu, Henri Saive, uh, Rolando Ahrens and Ashraf Lazar less so. But there does need to be a trimming of the squad. Uh, Dan Barlazer could be somebody else who was, um, who was uh, given away in the final days of the window. As well as, like I said, Jacob Murphy has got still got a big question mark over his head. I would give him a chance. But the... the the conundrum um, with Jacob Murphy, as mentioned earlier in the show, is that there will be people who want to take Jacob Murphy. Rangers were interested. We've seen um, Sheffield Wednesday would happily take him back. Other clubs in and around the, the mid-section of that division would happily take him back at their football club. Um, and I think it could come down to that. If you're desperate to bring a player in and you need a trim, it could be, who can I who can I uh, sort of drop off this squad to give me that room and, and that's where I'm not 100% with Jacob Murphy it could be one that, that he maybe falls by the wayside in the later days of this window because of that Quick one on Nathan's point there. Super agent John Smith alluded to the fact that the Football League were talking to a foreign investment pun PIF about bailout money and support through COVID anything to say on that? 
Yeah, I did. I did hear the same interview on uh, on Talksport, and it and it did raise some questions in my head. Um, I don't. You could take it one of two ways. I don't. I don't know for a fact if this if this is true. Um, so I can't say for definite. I can't give you a yes or no on this. But it did raise two questions. So this could either be seen as a positive in any Cassinated takeover sense, and the positive being that uh, this would be done as a bit of a trade off. We'll help you out if you push us through. Now. I think there are caveats with that. I mean, do um, do the PIF really want to turn a 200-odd million pound deal to buy Newcastle United into a much, much larger bailout of, of uh, football league clubs? And that would cost it would be a very, very costly decision. Um, I'm not so sure on that on that matter, but it could be, it could easily be. Or this could simply be uh, seen as what um what way could the PIF um exert their sporting influence that they want and um, we've talked there's been talk of sports washing how could they have the biggest impact in English football and it could well be that dropping the idea of Newcastle United and riding in uh, on a white horse as a white knight to save the English game could be the biggest impact that they have without having to buy a football club now I don't know if either of those are true I know for a fact they are still interested, but it does raise that question with you, um, because we don't, unless we're part of those, this deal, we don't really know exactly what uh, is going on um, behind closed doors in negotiations. Um, so I do think it raises questions, that's my opinion, but I can't give you a definitive answer on whether it's actually happening. Um, we've seen lots of throwaway comments like this before and and have proved to have absolutely no uh, truth in them, so we'll wait and see on that one. Okay, mate. And uh, I read Barley's has had a medical at Rotherham today. Has he gone? Asks Simon Davies. I don't know if he's gone, but um, it wouldn't surprise us. Rotherham willing to pay decent money um, for him. Um, and they desperately want him. They've been really relying upon him. And they haven't signed any other players um, in that position. They really wanted him in. And I think Bruce has given him a little opportunity to prove himself. And I don't think he's done badly, but... He's another player that, that, because of his age, he's a late developer. It's probably going to count against him because whereas he might have been kept on in the under-21 status, because he's 23, um, he falls into the Premier League 25-man and there just isn't really a place for him, unfortunately. OK. And uh, John Brewish, good evening, lads. What do you think of the news saying that the government is demanding the Premier League to bail out EFL? I think if they'd accepted the PIA, but the added funding would have helped out. Yeah, a lot of talk about this today. Um, it was across the news channels, uh, BBC, ITV, uh, Sky, um, about uh, league clubs, EFL clubs, you know, the lower league clubs like Sunderland, and, you know, whether they would be able to help bail them out at some point. Would, would the Premier League be doing it? Would, would there anybody be helping them? Um, because a lot of these clubs, you know, I think there was 10 in particular could, could you know, seriously face going out of business if uh, we end up through, you know, a Christmas and uh, early part of next year into April, May time, some of these clubs may not survive. Look, I think I think there's enough food at the table for everyone to eat in football, and I, I don't I don't disagree with the government taking that stance. Um, we've seen we've seen clubs like Newcastle United who spent 35 million in transfer fees this summer exploit the uh, government furlough scheme to the very ends that they possibly could have, and that to me is not the right approach. We're seeing other clubs spending significant fees, um, 200 million in Chelsea cents. You can't tell me that there isn't any um, isn't any kind of uh, money there to to help uh, to, to sort of help the clubs below them. There should be. I don't think it's a position for the government should be having to bail these these um, clubs out. Um, I, I just don't I just don't think it's something that public money should be spent on. And um, not when public money was spent unfairly on keeping people in jobs, which I agree with. Um, for people who could afford it, who could have afforded to um, uh, keep people in jobs themselves, uh, rich uh, owners like Mike Ashley and others, um, Tottenham Hotspur uh, try to take the furlough, Liverpool try to take the furlough. Um, these are clubs spending big sums of money. Um, it doesn't cost these kind of transfer fees to keep people in jobs, and it certainly won't cost that to keep people in jobs at lower league football clubs as well. The, the, it has to keep going round that the... the the um the football league has to have uh, clubs and I think I think ten probably um given the current financial status of some is probably a a, a very re an un unreasonable estimate I think there'll be a lot more I think there'll be a lot more clubs really really be very close to hitting the wall if this continues um 
beyond uh, the winter, which to be honest, it looks like doing. I think it'd be a it would be a it'll be a surprise if we're not having conversations quite soon about um another call off of uh, football um, yeah. at, at all levels. I'll be very yeah. surprised if that's not just around the corner. Um, so I think I think it's fair to say that that um, these discussions should go on. But I, I fully stand by um, the, the call of the government to say, well, well, how can you go out and spend thirty-five million on transfer fees, and we've been paying, mm-hmm. we've been paying your, you know, your academy staff to to keep their jobs on till October? Not right, is it? It's not right. It's it's exploitation um, of public money. Um, and I think it's fair for the government to say, right, well, you exploited us now, then you're going to have to bail yourselves out now. I, I, I honestly, um, I honestly stand by that. I think, I think it's been, um, I think that they're, they're fair in that their comment in that sense. Yeah, I would, I would agree with you, mate, one hundred percent. Tom's question there about Rudiger is that a possibility? Do you think? I mean, I think that's a, I can't see that happening if I'm honest. No, I think, I think he's going to. Um, he was linked with Barcelona a day and a half ago, so I don't think he's coming to any Cassie United. Yeah, Jason Carter says the words he'll remember so far from 2020 are COVID and takeover. Nathan Watson says, what do you think of the player we've offered 250,000 for? He looked like he had a good trail. What do you think? Obviously, we mentioned him a little bit earlier. He must be the Peruvian he's talking about, I think. Yeah, the... yeah. There, there's been no trial, but um, and, and the, the fee is significantly less than that, I'm led to believe, as well. So... So yeah, he looks good on YouTube, but we'll wait. We'll, we'll reserve our judgment on that. We've seen plenty of YouTube players before, so we'll see. Um, but they have got a plan in place for him, uh, and he is a player that I do expect to turn up at Newcastle United before the end of the window. Mm-hmm. Antonson asking what you make of Bruce's comments today about Sunday's game. The more I listen to him, the more I want him to go. Still saying he has to be patient, but surely had enough time. Yeah, he, he's not the greatest on camera. Like uh, you know, he doesn't instill confidence in front uh, in front of the supporters, and he says some crazy things at times like Steve Bruce but it doesn't instill confidence in the fans does it? No it doesn't um, there's always so many mixed messages that come out and I think I don't like the way that he's kind of deflecting the blame from himself onto other people a little bit in his last couple of press conferences I thought he did quite well to hold his hands up and say I got it all wrong last week um, hold your hands up again so you got it all wrong at Tottenham because you did you did you got it all wrong and Surely you can see that they, they should be able to do that. Um, some are saying he did do that a little bit today. I still think there's a little bit of deflection of blame, um, and I think I think he, he needs to. It's okay. you know what I'm saying. That it's all right. And putting his hands up and saying, "Oh, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do this." But has he got it in his locker to change this? Has he got it in his locker? I want to see him prove that. I said that at the start of the season that there is a pressure on Bruce this season that um, he's had a lot of money. Not all of it spent by him, but there's been a lot of money invested in the Newcastle United squad in the last 12 to 18 months under him. A lot invested in the forward areas. And Newcastle United are no further forward than they were this time last year in an attacking sense. You could easily argue, despite having better players in the forward areas, they're worse. They're worse than they were this time last season. And that takes some doing. That's pretty bad that, that they've gone from a, a side who weren't great to being probably the worst, easily the worst in the Premier League in terms of creating chances, in terms of taking, well, not taking chances 100%, but getting those chances. And, and I feel really sorry for players like Callum Wilson. Um, I don't think he bought into this. I think he's been convinced largely, he talked about in his early interviews, he's largely been convinced by that game he watched from the stands where Newcastle absolutely tore Bournemouth the bits, created chances galore. But I don't know if he did much more homework beyond that because that was a one-off, an absolute one-off. Um, and we've not been anything like it since. Um, but Bruce needs to, I said at the start of the season, he needs to put his mark on this team. Um, he's talked about being more attacking. And I don't think it takes a lot of tweaks in that team to make it more attacking. Um, they, they could, If they'd gone at uh, Spurs on Sunday rather than just surrendered like they did in the first half, that silly formation. I think they were there for the take. And, and um, I think you could have done things against Brighton, um, particularly when they got a little bit of a foothold in the second half, go for it a bit. Um, yeah. I don't think it's about changing personnel. It's got to be a system. It's got to be an idea. And and there isn't, there doesn't seem to be uh, any any plan behind this. There obviously is, but to watching it from the outside in, there's so many switches in formation, so many switches in personnel. There doesn't seem to be a clear idea on what's going on here and what direction, what what identity Newcastle United are going to play with. 
And and it wouldn't surprise us if we now, because if results stop, don't come Newcastle's way, we see some reverting back to this five at the back because it worked under Rafa Benitez and for, for probably six or seven games last season. Um, but I don't want to see you do that, Steve Bruce. I want to see you put your mark on this team. If that mark's not good enough, then fair enough. But be your own man. Pick your team and make it play the way you surely, having spent so long in the game, you can coax that out of players to, to play the way you want them to play. You've been dealing with them for a year. Surely they're listening by now. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely frustrating, and you can see it in the comments. Really? Like big big thanks to uh, Diane Byrne for uh, taking a membership out. I'm being the first person to buy two tickets for the Christmas do, and a big uh, thank you to Mark Garfoot as well. He's bought a couple of tickets. Looking forward to seeing uh, the faces, putting names to faces of people is always interesting when uh, when when you have uh, you know when you haven't got a clue what people look like. So it's, it, it it is oh, good. Yeah. Uh, Aaron yeah, Aaron Anderson. Yeah, go on. Aaron Hunter says, I'm so sick of Bruce's back five tactics. Just catching up on what you've said, really, mate. It's so depressing. I'd like to see back three in attacking football, even if we'll get beat. But I don't think we'll ever see anything like this. Bill Smith, he says, our coaching methods must be so outdated considering the injuries we suffered this season and last season. What has changed? Um, uh, Mifenimo says, um, feel when we have the ball, there's a massive disjoint between midfield and attack with the ball. I'd like us to try and sign a midfielder who can link the midfield and attack because I don't think that's Almiron. Um, interesting to hear as well that uh, Man United have had the, uh, the £91.3 million offer for Sancho turned down. Um, what is football coming to when that kind of money is getting bandied around and even that's not enough for a footballer? Um, crazy, really. And I, I, those days have got to really got to be, you know, on the way out. I think if uh, COVID continues, yeah, you can only imagine that that the uh, the well will eventually run dry for the Premier League because we're going to see depressed sponsorship. We're going to see depressed uh, TV deals. We're going to see um, obviously depressed commercial revenue with football clubs. And and even though those uh, depressions in terms of TV and and particularly commercial revenues will have a big impact on teams further down the uh, food chain with regards to Football League, National League and lower. I do think it's going to have an impact on the Premier League. Um, and it is going to be a case that the, the teams that will survive best will be the ones with owners who are willing to, to put money in. Obviously, some owners um, will have seen their private enterprises uh, hit. Um, the, the money won't be flowing as freely to them in, in their personal life, so they may be less willing to spend. But it's going to be people with deep pockets and it's going to be people who who manage the crisis best. Um, and I think Newcastle United, the way they've been run, struggle. They're a good financial ship in that sense, but um, they'll struggle with the commercial side because it's not really an area that they're particularly strong in. So, yeah, I think, I think it is criminal. And like I've said before, if Man United can spend... Who are willing to spend 91 million, even if that's not all up front, 91 million on a footballer, they can probably keep the lights on at two or three clubs in League Two um, quite comfortably without even worrying about that cash leaving the football club. Yeah. Uh, do you feel there's a chance of Jetro Willems coming back, says Tim? It's conversations that I'm, I'm actually off this week, but it is common with transfers and being a journalist of these things, never you never switch off. Um, and it is something that. There's a couple of conversations I've had today with regards to uh, Jethro Willems. Um, I think it's less likely than likely, um, simply because he's not ready to play. He's back in training. It was a big injury and will take some considerable recovery still from now. Um, but it, it could get desperate if it's a player they want to bring in. Um, he is a player that Steve Bruce is a fan of. It's a player that uh, would happily come back. But I think... Um, another couple of clubs are looking at him. Um, we're seeing oh, just West Ham were one that have taken a little look at Jethro Willems. There are others, but it is a risk bringing Jethro Willems in because he's not ready to walk into a side. He's not ready to play. Um, and I think I think it might be a push to see Newcastle United sign the player. If, he's, if he doesn't go anywhere and, and, and nobody signs him and he's still available in January... I would definitely be talking very differently. He could be a player that Newcastle can really go for because, like I say, he's got a lot of fans at St James's Park, um, not just on the terraces. He's got a lot of fans behind the scenes as well. Richard Key's making his mouth go again this time about uh, BN Sports putting on the Premier League to get changes to VAR. What did he make of that? It was a bit strange, but it's typical. Yeah, it's um, 
it's very difficult to judge Richard Keyes when you look at his words sometimes. Is he a very clever man and says things very deliberately, or does he continue just drop his, you know, just keep dropping his foot in it constantly? Um, I'm not. I'm not even sure. I'm not sure what he is. I think he's he's just alone to himself. Um, very strange comments. Very strange comments. Um, that shouldn't be happening. That shouldn't. It shouldn't be happening. And, and it does open the question: Is what other pressure being uh, being put on uh, the Premier League? And I think we all know from the letters that were sent out. Uh, there were letters sent out to the twenty Premier League clubs, um, copied in with the Premier League uh, chief exec Richard Masters and and. And those could prove in the legal battle, it's not good too legal, but could potentially prove uh, really crucial in this case that Mike Ashley and uh, Newcastle United and the consortium might well might well be building behind the scenes. Yeah, it's uh, going wild on Twitter with uh, Richard Key's video. Man, he's put uh, he's put a couple of COVID pounds on. I weighed myself um, for the first time of the weekend. I've lost a stone and two pound. Over, uh, over it's not just that. Was it the beard that took? Quite the, the beard off? probably. The beard probably made us look a bit bigger. Yeah, but I mean, I didn't expect to lose a. St- I didn't need to lose a stone and two pound either. But um, you know, I'm I'm fourteen and a half stone, and I've never been that. I've never even been anywhere near fourteen stone since I was eighteen. So that is uh, mental. But yeah, Richard Keys has obviously gained my pound and the rest. Colour coach <laughs> says, uh, "Will Fraser slot into the first team when he he's, when he hits full fitness?" I mean, you'd expect he would do because. He's a Bruce signing. Yeah, I think he does. I think he's a. I think he's one of the best eleven players at this football club. So I think there's absolutely no doubt that he plays in the side when he's fit. Yeah, Frankie, thank you very much, mate. He says, "Great show again tonight, lads. Thoroughly enjoyed it. It's uh, it's always a pleasure to have Liam on." And he's you heard the man himself. He's actually on his holidays and uh, he's, yeah. he's made time. He's took the wrath of his last to come on and do a, a little bit <laughs> on uh, NUFC matters. Uh, little Musgrave says, while well, I agree the VAR needs changing, there's no way TV companies should be getting involved in the process. It was ludicrous at the weekend and I called it before the Spurs game that there would be some controversy and luckily it was our way. But what this handball rule, I mean, why did they make something so easy, so difficult? I've looked a little bit into this, and I think I think um, I think it's actually quite fair. I'm going to be controversial here. I think it's quite fair. So we're talking about Eric Dyer, who's going up for a header. I don't care whether he's looking forward or backwards. He's got his arm, which is what the the new rule is. He's got his arm above shoulder height. Um, there's no way, shape, or form that a, a defender defending a ball needs to have his arm up here above his head, show, above his shoulders. Um, and if that hits, if you're going to flail your arms around like that and it hits your arm, then mm. I don't disagree with that, that it, it probably should be a penalty. Um, so so I think there are controversies with this, but I don't necessarily buy the idea that that um, it was a stonewall non-penalty as Jamie Carragher was screeching on about um, during the game after it, changing his Twitter profile photo to it and everything else that went along Great. with it. Um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't agree with that. I don't think it was a controversial decision, but that's just my opinion. Um, would I would I say the same if it happened against Newcastle? Yes, I would. Um, I don't think if you're a defender, be clever, be smart. I would be asking why have you got your arm up there? I don't care where you've come from, whether you're on the the uh, descent or whatever. Just be clever with your arms. And I think defenders, it's going to be a tough season for them because they're going to have to really get smart to that. Um, but it's fair to say if it hits your arm in the box, um, it doesn't have to be deliberate. There's nothing deliberate or uh, indeliberate in the rules um, written into that. Um, so yeah, I think it's um, I think it's something that 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 is going to cause controversy. But I think that to me that um, Eric Dyer decision was quite clear cut. I didn't see it as a as a non penalty. And I think applying the rules strictly, it was quite obvious the way that it played out with the VAR decision. The, the referee um, and the video team checking were also quite clear on that, even though it took a little while. They wanted to make sure they got it right. But as soon as they started the, checking the offside, they knew, they knew straight away that it, it was something they had to give. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Warburton's just asking about Rondon. He put another tweet out, more or less saying, come and get us. Well, I wish I wish, <laughs> I wish, wish that um, Newcastle would go out and get him because he was a fantastic footballer for Newcastle United. Talks about wearing the number nine. He was a worthy wearer of the number nine. We've, we've seen Joe Linton criticised for, for having that number on his back, but uh, give it back to Rondon. 
he'd come back here and score goals galore. It'd be fantastic to see somebody as mobile and quick uh, as Callum Wilson playing alongside uh, Rondon, who was less mobile and quick, but a fantastic hold-up man. It'd be a fantastic foil for somebody like Callum Wilson, but it's pie-in-the-sky stuff. It ain't going to happen. Um, I'd be very, very surprised yep. if, if a deal of that magnitude uh, came through. Um, I think the only time we could speculate of a Rondon return probably would be if we've seen a Rafa Benitez return. Um, and that would really have to have a takeover um, and then and then some um, some negotiation and considerable money changing hands to see him ever come back to Tyneside in the near future. Yep. Diane saying, what about Rian Brewster? It uh, looks like that, that could end up being a loan deal, but I suspect somebody might bite uh, on the, the fee that Liverpool want. I don't know what that fee is. It's considerably more than Newcastle United would be willing to pay um, in the final days of the window because, like I say, it's loan deals that Newcastle United are looking at. If Rian Brewster was, was um, available on loan, I think you'd probably find 10 or 12 of the Premier League clubs would be interested in taking him off Liverpool's hands. So um, I think it'd be a hard one for Newcastle United to secure, but would be absolutely perfect um, absolutely perfect the style um, the hunger um, and the ability I think you'd be a, a fantastic signing for Newcastle Not, wouldn't wouldn't light, light things up um, in terms of excitement among supporters because I know I know that the stigma that comes with you know warming other clubs players up for, for better performances elsewhere but um, let's be realistic about where Newcastle are and um, that's kind of the market we're in. We're not what we were. We're not where we want to be. We are where we are. And that's the kind of the deal that would really improve Newcastle United's 11 and squad. Michael Hurst asking, uh, who do you think the first manager will be to lose his job this season? That's a big question there. Um, it is, isn't it? It is a big question. Moyes for me. Moyes, Moyes has got to be up there. Flighty club West Ham, aren't they? You could see them, yeah. you could see them quite easily just Chopping Moyes if things Scott got a bit Morgan took Fulham down before. I think he's got to be a front runner. Well liked. Um, done a really, really good job, to be fair, last season and getting them straight back up. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'd say his head's going to be on the chopping block, isn't it, if things continue to go in the nature that they do. Um, Billich has been sacked a couple yeah. of times, hasn't he, in this position? Yeah, Billich is the other one. He's, he's potentially one that I would go for. Because I think they've got some real positives about them, West Brom. I don't think they're as bad as, as say Norwich last season or whatever. But I think I think the time will come. It's always it's always around this time of year. It'll be a bit later this time. It's only in November time, October, when the panic sets in. It might be closer to Christmas this time, but um I'm gonna go with Billich. I think I think there might be a bit of a panic there. Yeah. Opinions on the Marnie Elbow yesterday. Uh, I've only seen it the once and I've not seen it in context of the game. So it's difficult to make a decision on, but the the um, the small segment that I've seen, it looks a little bit naughty. Um, it did, did look a bit naughty, yeah. It did look a bit naughty. It looks like a red card. Yeah, I might be. I don't know whether there'll be retrospective action on that. Marx is my mate, son Nathan uh, Carolyn has been pushed and given a chance in the under twenty three. Scored from the halfway line last week. Fingers crossed mm-hmm. for the lad. Yes. Yeah, I seen that it was a fant- absolutely fantastic goal. Uh, scored from within his own half, and I seen again that he was trusted with a, a place in the, the uh, twenty three side. So yeah, good luck at that. Jason's asking any news in Millick. We seem to be getting asked this, um, you know, quite a bit on the show. Um, but you know, I've never really asked the question until you came on. Any any news in that? No, I'd be very very surprised. He's a player yeah. well out of Newcastle United category in terms of what they can afford. Um, and, and, and even if it were a loan deal, there's a lot bigger clubs in terms of uh, stature at the moment, standing Champions League clubs who would take Millick in a heartbeat. So, again, you can't rule anything out, but mm-hmm. I'd, be very, I'd be shocked if that came up. Yeah, Scott Parker looked and sounded like a broken man, says Little Musgrave. Yeah, he does. Uh, Luke Smith is telling us to grow up and move on from the takeover. Don't know why we're still so obsessed. Thanks, Luke, for your advice. Uh, I'm losing weight, mate. I don't want to grow uh, anymore. And Anom uh, says, Milik's about 25 million. I heard Napoli rejected 25 million from Newcastle before they accepted an offer from Roma. I can't imagine that price would have changed much for Milik. Uh, thanks, as always, guys, for your input. Always great to have uh, so many questions and stuff. And I know you know Liam does his best uh, to, to answer that a few uh Want to give a little plug now, mate, to uh, where people can find out where you uh, 
Yeah, guys, just uh, make sure you, you head over to my Twitter page, really. I normally put it in the little little bio down there, but I haven't today. It's at Liam J. Kennedy 23. Um, journalism costs. I've got a little message on there that things are um, things are changing in the journalism uh, industry. Things really are. It's not all free anymore, and, and, and that's probably the way it should be. I know it's not going to be uh, – people don't like paying for things if they've always had it for free, but, um, yeah, so we work a subscription system. If you kind of like what I say on here, um, you like the things that I write. I've written a lot of stuff regards TakeOver, a lot of other things, um, championing the fans, championing the Cassie United Football Club because it's a club that is in my heart and means a lot to me as well as covering it in a professional sense. But if you like that kind of thing that I do – Please, honestly, uh, help help us out um, and, and uh, buy a subscription. It's cheap. It doesn't cost the earth. Costs just as it costs. It's less than your paper you would have been picking up um, on a on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday morning. Um, so yeah, just just if you can uh, support the work that I do because without that kind of support, I couldn't come on here. I couldn't chat away with Steve. I couldn't um, be coming to the events like at Christmas, which is going to be absolutely fantastic. And it'd be really good to meet some people out there who maybe have put their hands in their pockets to not only help this YouTube channel, but also help papers like uh, papers like the, the Shields Gazette and myself stay in work. So, yeah, um, yeah, here we are. Yeah, it'd be fantastic. It'd be good to meet you out there. And like I say, journalism costs. Please, if you can, I know it's difficult times, but if you can, please subscribe. Yeah, some great comments coming in. Thanks, as always. Uh, Damien Pierce, yes, I did disappear for about 10 seconds there and there uh, into the ethos, but Liam, he's learned now, you see, carries on. That was no. me. That, as soon as I've been, I thought, I'm going to go now. I, I what's my face look like? <laughs> <laughs> that was me. That was me jinxing it before, saying uh, we've, oh, we've had no problem with Virgin. Uh, absolute classic. Uh, tomorrow night, anyway, as always, uh, on a Wednesday, I've got Supermac. It's going to be early, though, because we've got an early kickoff uh, when we play Newport. Uh, but tomorrow night, I'll be joined by Gibbo and Supermac at the earlier time of four o'clock. And then uh, a quick break and then back on for Match Day Live. We'll be covering the match on the channel, as we have done for the last few games. People seem to be enjoying it. Uh, so I'll be back with a, a panel of Newcastle United fans to take us through, hopefully, into the quarterfinals. And, of course, let's hope, uh, Liam, that we'll have the same result as we did back in 1947 when Len Shackleton uh, got six goals in a 13-0 win down at Newport County. Now, how good would that be? Certainly would. We got seven last time out, 13 this time. Who knows? No, I think I think it's going to be a much much tougher challenge than it was last week. Um, giant killers in a lot of senses in the last few years, Newport County. So yeah, I think they'll be bang up for this, um, and it's a difficult difficult ground to go to. Rodney Parade. We've seen teams like Leeds United, Middlesbrough, Tottenham. I know that Leicester in the last few years really struggle at that football ground. I was speaking to one of their players. I'll not give too much away uh, for a, an exclusive line in the morning. Um, a player that I know really well, Patrick Hammond. Um, and he did describe, um, he said it was going to be a culture shock for the Newcastle United players when they walk into what they've what was the dressing room that's been erected in the car park for them. Uh, tomorrow night. So I think it's going to be a, a big shock from the, the luxury of the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Sunday um, to a little marquee that's been erected in the, the back of the stand in the car park at uh, Rodney Parade tomorrow night. Fantastic, mate. Liam Kennedy, as always, absolute pleasure to have you on and uh, look forward to catching up with you again next week. Until then, take care. Good night, mate. Cheers. <laughs>